Welcome to Marvelous, a podcast that explores my journey into a universe that my husband loves and I know nothing about. I'm your host, Rochelle. And I'm your co-host, Jay. After getting sucked into WandaVision, I had a lot of questions. And I had to do my best to answer those questions. Come with us as I gain my vision of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and ask my husband a thousand questions. And then we're going to hit smash over the record button on clean feed in three, two, one, and here we go. All right. Sweet. Awesome. Glad we got here. Jesus Christ. Glad we got here. I am too. Yeah. I forget how we normally start this. Glad we did one yesterday. What happens if you've taken Adderall like right now? <laughs> I won't sleep tonight. Okay. Okay. Here we go. All right. Welcome back to Marvel Less. A nope. I can't do it. Good. You also don't have to talk into the mic. It's equal. Yeah, no, I was, I was picking up, picking you up just or, fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know where she went, but this is all <laughs> recorded, so that's great. We'll figure it out. What are you doing? Out of all. Out of all. I'm glad the dude. glad the mic picked that up. Yeah. <laughs> Where, why are you running? This is good. This is going to be the intro. This is going to be somewhere. Did you just take one? Yep, and it'll kick in like two or three minutes. Solid. Okay. Perfect. Oh, this is why I have everything written out for all that shit. Okay. Cool. You also don't have to talk to the mic. Okay, perfect. This is fine. Can you hear us? Yeah. You're just fine. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so fine. I'm going to do like a clap or something, so that way, no, or maybe just a snap, so that way when we're rifling through, we can find it. No? What time is it? Okay, almost two minutes in. Solid. So at two minutes, God, we have two go. minutes of my fucking train wreck. Well, cool. We're going to listen to all of this while we're editing. Perfect. A lot of this is going to be the intro. Okay. Are you ready? Yep. Cool. Okay. Welcome back to episode 11 of Marvel S. Today we're going to be talking about part two of Captain America. And you're already looking at me like I'm using my work voice because I felt the switch. Well, you're yeah. also looking at the microphone. You don't need to. The microphone's recording whether you're I don't looking know. at I it or not. I think microphone eye contact is pretty important. <laughs> <laughs> well, since you all heard that um, also, stranger's voice. Also, you don't have voice, to talk into the microphone. I know. You but just <laughs> talk normally, no, and the microphone will pick I it up. But I can't. But you're, like, facing the microphone. It's Pretend the government's listening, like they always are. <laughs> so we are really excited to have our first guest, and I just want to look at the microphone. Look at Mart. <laughs> We're really excited to have Mart today. There you go. So everybody, we have my one of my best friends. He lived with me for two years in undergrad. We've been through some shit. He loves the MCU, and I would say is like when Mart met Jay. I was like, you guys like Star Wars and nerd things and the MCU. Talk and be friends. I think I said that it was not. It was just about that. So no, that's verbatim. That is exactly it. Yeah, that sounds about right. Pretty much, and we eat, we eat giant sushi burritos. Um, because I will never forget that. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, because you were my the first friend that I introduced Jay to. Um, it's good, sir. If you had introduced me to some of your other friends, I don't know. No. How it would have went. Especially my kickball friends, who are just a goddamn nightmare. Kickball friends aren't real friends. No, they really are. <laughs> no, That's an adult fraternity, and you know it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we also are going to have to edit this all out. No, There's no way. Are you telling me no one from kickball listens to the podcast? No, absolutely not. Okay. No, definitely God, not. And I hope they do. <laughs> I mean, we moved away, and I don't talk to any of them anymore. Oh, the hate mail. Okay. Anyway. Oh, no, it's fine. Um, so, yeah, Mark, could you go ahead and introduce yourself? Maybe tell us whatever you would like to share with us, favorite baked good, uh, whatever it may be. The floor is yours. All right. Well, uh, I don't I don't have a whole lot by way of an introduction. I'm a nerd, um, and... I think it is important and, and right that I am here because I take the time to send you obnoxiously long text messages while I'm on my morning walks and listen to this podcast. That and Rochelle selectively That Rochelle just barely apparently. That's why <laughs> that's why we now have a group text. <laughs> so I can actually receive information. Yeah. It it sure is. And Mart is the reason why we um, started the noted section of this podcast, which I appreciate uh, because I no, I do. I enjoy it because you know I love feedback. I love critical feedback always. Five stars. Yeah. (laughs) Five stars. That's all I want is only only positive affirmation a hundred percent of the time. So, uh, before we go on to Noted, I we also just have to do a language warning and also a spoiler alert. There will be strong language in this podcast, and we just have a general spoiler alert for all things MCU and other random things that we may be talking about, which could literally be anything at this point. I also know... Jane Austen. Yeah, Jane Austen. All yeah. the things. So, we're going to move on to Noted. Mart, would you like to start with Noted, since I know you have things you want to talk about. Oh boy, uh, going right in the deep end here. I, so most most importantly, <laughs> it is important because this came up before we started recording. Uh, there was a question on the last on part one of, uh, of of Captain America about when Disney acquired Marvel. Yes, Jay noting that uh, you know you like you you haven't record or you haven't uh, Googled it right. You know right. Um, and it was – I don't know. I have to look back at my text history. But it was a handful of weeks ago that I, I texted this information, very important information, uh, to Rochelle in the context of some other observation I was making. Um, and it was – so. Uh, uh, and I think, Rochelle, you have at this point looked it up. But um, uh, the, the acquisition was 2009, towards the end of 2009. They first announced it, I think, in August of 2009. Um, and then what was it? The so Iron Man two came out and was it May two thousand ten? Yes, that sounds right. Yeah, because I because I know the the timeline isn't like perfectly clean unless you have inside knowledge of the actual production schedule of all of these movies. Right. But, you don't so know. like, <laughs> uh, so Iron Man two was released when Disney owned Marvel, but. Based on when the acquisition happened, just when it was announced, let alone what actually went through, 
you know, I, Iron Man 2 was not really, like, the production process was not controlled by Disney. To some extent, uh, that may also be true for Captain America, just given how far in advance planning for these movies starts. I'm sure, like, planning for Captain America absolutely had to have started uh, before the acquisition. Um, but it was definitely released, and a lot of the production would have happened under the control of, of Disney. And so there's actually, I think, some, some meaningful changes that happened and precedent that's set with Captain America that sort of sets the tone and style and everything for yeah. everything that's come after it in the MCU. That makes sense. Yep. Sorry, I didn't uh, pass that along. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to find out. That's so. my bad. Sorry. <laughs> Is there anything else that you have for noted? Oh, God. Anything else for noted? I'm trying to think. Oh, this is this is this is to the extent that there can be at this point. Classic noted. This is a classic noted um, observation from me. Um, you 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 referred in the first part of the of the Captain America for first yeah first part. You you referred to. Um, you said it was cliche that the Hydra agent nabbed the the little kid. As a cliche, as in, this is nonsense, Rochelle. It's not cliche. The reason it's not cliche is because he tossed the kid over the edge, and then the little kid can swim. And he's like, "Oh, never mind. You know, just yeah. kidding. Everything is fine." The person who wrote that knows that that's a trope, and is like, "Oh, well, this is this is an amusing thing I'm going to put in here. You know, <laughs> it's, it's a very aware thing that the writer did. You know, to to sort of play off of your expectation of what's going to happen in that situation." That okay. makes sense. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> You're going to have so much fun with this. Oh, this is going to be great. Yeah. It's be, yeah. I'm really, really excited for all of the feedback I'm about to get. Uh-huh. I love feedback. It's great. That'll be fine. It'll be Take fun. Take your comfort zone. <laughs> I love it. So, yeah. noted in the live. Love it. So, Jay, yeah. can you tell mm-hmm. us what happened in this episode yeah and i'm going to have to do it in less than nine minutes so i'm gonna have to call in for jury duty um so i'm gonna leave out a lot of details from get I'm, uh, I'm gonna get the main point across um we purposely i purposely paused it at this section just to like leave what little suspense i could leave with rochelle but where we pick up schmidt rips off his face and reveals himself to be red skull um as the Hydra camp is self-destructing, um, everybody escapes. Um, the Colonel and Peggy are at, are under the assumption that Cap and the rest of them did not make it out, but obviously they did. They returned to camp base, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then Cap puts together his team. I know they have a name, and I'm sure you'll give it to me later, but um, Cap puts together his team and gets the mission together to go after the remaining Hydra bases. Um, there's more romantic tension between Peggy and Cap after some random woman just kisses him. Cheers. Uh, <laughs> Cap gets his new shield, which was the um, the prototype that Howard Stark was working on. Um which is what we know to be Cap's shield moving forward. 
Um, there's a nice little montage of Cap and the boys um, just wrecking some Hydra facilities. Um, Cap and Bucky track down Dr. Zola on this moving train to come up with this whole plan. It turns out to be a trap, um, but Bucky and Cap are fighting the good fight. Um, the There's a giant hole that gets blasted in the train. Essentially, Bucky falls to what we think is his demise. Um, the Americans capture Dr. Zola. Um, he gets interrogated and reveals uh, Red Skull's plan to essentially blow up all the major cities in America. To keep it short, um, Cap is grieving the uh, death of Bucky. Um, and then they storm what is perceived to be like the major Hydra base, which Red Skull is actually on. Um, everybody is a part of this cap. Um, the Colonel, I keep forgetting his name. Peggy is a part of it. Um, Steve manages to get onto the Valkyrie, which is Red Skull's Hydra science powered ship that he plans to use. It's called Valkyrie? Yeah, it's called Valkyrie. That was the summer home of Hitler. That makes sense. Um, but that's the ship that's powered by the Tesseract that um, Red Skull is planning to use to carry out his plan. Um, there's a confrontation, obviously, between Cap and Red Skull. Um, during their fight, the Tesseract essentially gets knocked loose out of whatever was kind of holding it in. Um, Red Skull tries to grab it and... Seem, it seems that he was essentially evaporated by um, the Tesseract itself. Um, and then the Tesseract burns a hole in the ship and sinks to the bottom of the ocean. Um, since the Valkyrie is on path to New York and there's no time to do anything else, unfortunately, Cap has to put it in the water. Um, him and Peggy have an emotional exchange. They set a date for next week to dance for the first time, which we all know is not going to happen. Um, Rochelle almost cries. For the second time. For the second time. Um, but Cap puts it in the water. We cut to the end of the war. Everyone's doing their celebrations. Um, obviously, Peggy and the Colonel are kind of grieving a little bit. And then we cut to Cap waking up, and there's a Dodgers game, I believe, um, playing and Steve knows something's up because he was actually at that Dodgers game before anything ever happened. Um, Cap kind of loses it, escapes what is a shield facility, essentially, and is in modern-day New York. Um, he gets greeted by Nick Fury, who lets him know it's been 70 years since Cap put the Valkyrie in the water. And credits. Look at you. What did I miss? Oh, Stark found the test rack on the bottom of the ocean and dug it up. I think that's the other major thing I should probably mention. Um, and then the after credit scene for this was trailer. trailer. Yeah, for the Avengers. <laughs> like we uh, we fast forwarded to it, and I was like, no, this is straight out of the Avengers. And I'm like, oh, it's just a trailer. So was there no actual? Um, no, I, for this one? no, there wasn't. I think at this point, which I, 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 I remembered that, uh, that the app, that the post credit scene from Captain America is the, the, you know, the punching bag scene. I yeah. forgot that after that, it just transitions into a straight up trailer. Like next summer. Right. <laughs> Get ready. 
Limited yeah. assembly required. Like, okay, right. all right. <laughs> I see what you did there. It was, it was the coolest thing when it happened, and now it feels outdated. But it, it's in, it's interesting, though, at the same time, because, you know, I, I'm not sure if you can, if, you know, thinking back to, Rochelle, this is not going to mean anything to you, but just thinking back to, yeah. when, like, when Avengers was coming out, like, it was it was a big deal because the idea of bringing all of these characters together from separate franchises into a single movie and like, can they do it without overloading the movie? Is it going to fail because there are too many things happening? You know, it's just like, it hadn't really been tried in earnest before like a proper big blockbuster. And and so like they had to, I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't a sure, for sure thing for, for Disney, you know, so they like were really trying to play it up and, and it was it was it's pretty rocky. It was, yeah. There was definitely some risk involved, but the I think the trailer itself I think blockbusters now are so much more common that the like blockbuster promotion and blockbuster trailers seem outdated now because it's something we come across so much that it's not built up as much. If that makes sense. So like if you look at the trailer for something like Infinity War where you're bringing in even more characters that hasn't really been done before. You know, you go from bringing a main six to eight characters to bringing what? Let's call it 15 to 20 at least. Oh, I can't even count them. Who knows? Right. <laughs> um, I think it just reminds me of the like old school, you know, the guy with the blockbuster promotion voice to it. That trailer is very. In world. Rem- yeah, it's so reminiscent of like that era. Yeah. And we we don't have trailers like that anymore that often, it feels like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I'm going to make a call so I don't get arrested really quickly. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds great. Yeah. 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 I don't want to delay the podcast anymore. Give me one sec. Yeah, Let's not pause. Let's keep rolling. Oh, my God. Well, while you're gone, Rochelle and I can have a very in-depth conversation about how excellent uh, Chris Evans looks. Uh, Chris Evans looks in a white T-shirt, no matter what. Like he is <laughs> just the sexiest man alive. It's just unbelievable. Like honestly, I think one of my favorite sequences, and I think you you mentioned it. I think in the first episode, like one of my favorite sequences in all of the MCU is right after you know he becomes you know Captain America, and he's running through the streets of New York, and he's just, I mean, what a hunk of man meat. My God, <laughs> Jesus! What a hunk of man meat. Um, yeah, I mean that is definitely one way to put it, and I, I feel like for how much, like especially Iron Man two, objectified women, this is a nice change to kind of pivot the other direction with how aggressively uh, Chris Evans has been and will continue to be objectified because of this specific role. Um, Cause him with a big old head and a tiny little frame was very unsettling. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was definitely very like, I, I know that they had to like do that for however, like for it was, that was the whole point of the movie was he was this tiny little man, but like the way that his head was in comparison to his body size was not right. And it it didn't feel believable because like I don't know. I feel like we've all know 
tiny scrawny dudes and it didn't look super believable. Well, so uh, I think this is, this is a little bit, um, you know, sort of the, the mythology behind the, the MCU and the creation of the greatest franchise ever. Um, (laughs) but like, you know, in looking, looking back, I've like listened to interviews where Kevin Feige has talked about that particular transition going from skinny Steve to muscly Steve. Um, and how the first time, you know, playing it for, you know, I don't know if it was like a group of, you know, Disney execs or, uh, I don't know, some kind of, um, what's the term I'm looking for? Like screening? Yeah, whatever. Like the first time you screened the movie for a test audience, um, like a focus group. There we go. Um, yeah. Like one of the things he was looking for and one of the things that happened was playing that, playing the movie and having the transition where all of a sudden Steve Rogers is all, all muscly and having them ask the question, wow, how did you make his muscles look so real? Uh, because they did such a good job making him look small and skinny. Um, and, mm-hmm. and keeping in mind, like Chris Evans was a known, a known actor at the time. Yeah. Like he had already, he had already played, uh, uh, a Marvel hero before in a separate horrible franchise. Um, but like, so like, I think looking back, uh, you know, we are so used to what Chris Evans looks like. This is a little bit like, all right, come on. We, we know, we know those muscles are real. Um, yeah. but like they, they really did. They put so much effort into making skinny Steve believable. Uh, yeah. because it's not just a digital, like, they didn't just sort of screw with the, you know, film of Chris Evans doing stuff. Like they, they did two takes. Every, every shot that has Chris Evans in it, like Skinny Steve in it, um, was shot at least two times. One with Chris Evans. Oh, Skinny Steve. And one with some scrawny British guy who looks exactly like Skinny Steve. Like who is the same dimensions, like different, obviously different face, but like the same dimensions as Skinny Steve in the movie. So that the, the visual artists on post in post production had an actual visual reference point for how to skinny Steve down, how to skinny Chris Evans down to make him look as believable and realistic as possible. And yes, he, he's comically small, but he doesn't look like a video game character. Like no. he doesn't he doesn't look completely fake. Like he he looks fake because we know what Chris Evans looks like. Yeah. Um, but like it's 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 surprisingly well done. Yeah. No, well, that's interesting to know that they had a somebody with the dimensions of Skinny Steve that actually did both. Cause like, I feel like that'd be pretty unfortunate if they just, like, photoshopped his head on somebody. <laughs> yeah, I think that would have been hard. Yeah. We're still talking about uh, our Lord and Savior, Chris Evans. Sorry. Um, well, like, what we talked about, where I know Chris Evans from is um, not another teen movie. And Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Right. Where he he's really jacked in Scott Pilgrim versus the world and like a villain, which is hilarious. Well, when did right. Scott Pilgrim versus the world come out? Uh, I feel like it came out after Captain America. Did it? Yeah, we're going to fact check that because I'm, I'm pretty sure he had already done Captain America before he did Scott Pilgrim. Came out in 2010. Oh, so wow. So it was the year before. It was before. 
Oh, he had already done Fantastic Four. Exactly. That's why he was like a household name by the time Scott Pilgrim came out, and it was kind of cool that he was in it because he had already been in a superhero flick. Okay. That was the terrible franchise I referred to before, Rochelle. I figured. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what you're talking oh, about. Tried. <laughs> We've tried so many times to. Uh, I had very high hopes for the remake with uh, Miles Teller and Michael B. Jordan. I know, me too. Uh, oh, I I rooted for them so hard, and it was so garbage. I haven't even seen it. And for me it's to not, not see a superhero movie because it gets bad reviews, like you know, that's that's like radioactive garbage. Because yeah. I will <laughs> watch bad bad superhero movies, no problem. But I haven't yeah. I haven't seen it. There's, I think the only one I haven't seen because of the bad reviews is uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I should no, I sat, I sat through that one. Oh. It's not it's, – it's embarrassing. But it's interesting, and this is, this is going to keep happening, and I'm sorry for this. Um, That's fine. The, a lot of – I think – I mean, just noting that it is part of the, you know, the, the limping along – you know, Fox X-Men franchise that it, you know, it was, it was never going to be great. Like the right. odds were stacked against it, but the, apparently a lot of the reason that they, they had, so they basically went back and, and did reshoots for a substantial portion of the movie and like changed the, you know, the, the third act dramatically because the, the finale was apparently way too similar to Captain Marvel. And when you think about it, it makes a lot of sense because the, the like the visualization of like the Phoenix's powers and and how they how yeah. they manifest are not that different from Captain Marvel. Just like lots right. of flashy lights and flying around, you know, like zooming around in in a colorful you know nonsense. Yeah. Um, but apparently they were they were extremely similar, and I think they actually and they I think they might have there was going to be some more like alien stuff happening in Dark Phoenix. Um, but you can really tell when you watch it, which is part of the reason why, as bad as it is, it is kind of interesting to watch it. Because you can see where there are diverg- divergences, where it's like, oh, yeah, they could be setting up something that feels more like Captain Marvel. Uh, right. But obviously, they've got to stay away from it. Like, it's, you've, right. <laughs> like Disney beat you to the punch, and also now it's a Disney <laughs> movie. Um, yeah. So. That is interesting. Maybe we'll just edit some of this stuff into clips of Mart's fun facts. <laughs> oh, there can be so many of those. Mar- Marvelous facts with Mart. Oh my god. <laughs> Good. Um, oh, speaking of which, I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt you. No, um, uh, the Howling Commandos. In your summary. Ah, yes. Uh, yeah. uh, full disclosure, I had to Google that. I am actually in front of a computer, unlike you guys. So. <laughs> <laughs> I feel a lot less bad. Like I knew they had a name, but there was no way I was going to pull that out of my. Oh, I, I, I never would have. (laughs) So what I do want to say is we circle back to the one time I think I've been right in thinking I know what is about to happen was when Schmidt pulls his face off and reveals that he's Red School. Yeah. I actually was right about that, which I did not. I was like, okay, I think I am finally – starting to figure out the formula of how some of these movies are functioning. And I'm like, as we moved through the movie part one, I was like, okay, I think this is setting him up to be Red Skull, especially when they said the line about 
red schools had too much time or something like that. So indulged himself long enough. Yeah. So then when they, he pulled his face off, I was pretty happy, which you did a great job of like stopping the movie right before that happened. Yeah. (laughs) I, I gotta say, I think you're actually selling yourself short a little bit. Um, I, I don't remember specific examples, but I feel like you actually do that pretty frequently in these movies. Like you, you'll, you'll say something in part one, uh, and, and it'll be spot on for either part two of the movie or later on in the franchise. Well, that's good. That is accurate, yes. Well, and I think we'll have to go back and, like, re-listen to some of these and try to, like, find those little... Well, because, like, with superheroes, it's pretty... Not superheroes. With villains, it's pretty easy to figure out, like, what's about to happen. Also, it's Hugo Weaving. Like... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's going to be the eccentric bad guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and especially when he did, like, the weird jaw thing and just started shooting people. And then again, like... We talked about in the other episode, they did the the octopus when he killed the first dude, and then there was blood on the skull of the octopus, and so it looked like a red skull, and within the first, like, two minutes of the movie. Huh. Yeah, because they, they zoomed in on the, the octopus pin that he was wearing that had blood of the Norwegian guy that he shot, yeah. and it looked like a red skull. Huh. Yeah. I didn't pick that up. Yeah, for me, I was like, oh, that that's funny. Yeah, they got yeah, that yeah. in there. Um, I really appreciated that this movie had a lot of the cheesy, like, action superhero scenes. I put jumping through explosion lols. <laughs> Fair. I also think that they sold Captain America either short or they just had no idea how many men because there are some, like, minor detail discrepancies that were kind of weird where, like, they told him originally that there were, I think, like, 200 people that were taken, but then he comes back with 400. So, like, where did Hydra come up with these extra people? So I also was thinking about that, um, and I'm 100% ready to just give him a pass on it because it's the middle of World War II, and so POWs can come from anywhere. That's fair. That's fair. Maybe Hydra had just been collecting them, which wouldn't right. also... Like, they're Nazis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. right. Yeah, they're not. Um, Stanley's cameo was great. Yep. He was an officer. That was great. Have you heard the... I I don't know where it came from, um, but I've heard it, like, verbally through other people, and I think I've seen it on social media somewhere. There's a fan theory that I don't think holds that much water. I just want to know if you've heard it, that, like, all the Stan Lee cameos throughout the MCU are um, Cap after the time travel, and he puts the stones back, where he's just, like, I guess checking in on everybody. I mean, I, I think that would be fine and dandy, except for this movie, because he is old in the 40s. That is true. So like, that, that fan theory doesn't make any sense. Now, the fan theory that he is, I forget what movie, the, the Stanley cameo where he is, I'm definitely not going to remember the name of the aliens, but where he's like holding court, uh, he's just sort of sitting there with like four other aliens. Um and they're oh god what are they called i don't know um but they're 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 one of those like marvel comic booky alien species that are like basically omniscient and they manage timelines and all that kind of stuff yeah um and that you know the, the fan theory that he is like he's basically one of, oh i think it was ragnarok i think the, the cameo um was ragnarok um 
where he like he shows up. Uh, so well, sorry, but the 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 point being, fan theories. He's one of those, and so he's like responsible for managing the timeline. He so that's oh. why he's popping up everywhere, and that's yeah. why he looks the same everywhere he pops up. Um, this would be more interesting if I could remember what those aliens were called, but I don't know. <laughs> that is, that's a more interesting theory or that theory holds a little more water. I think. I'm sure you're looking it up right now. Maybe Loki know. will have some insight to that. Yeah. It comes out in like three days. I see in your notes that Peggy showed up looking like a snack and I feel like I should address that's the one thing you notes that I've read. <laughs> Peggy, well, yeah, because they're so, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so, again, in a very, like, you're going to fight me on the word cliche, but it felt very, like, band of misfits to me. Like, you know, he shows up and proves his worth when he rescues all of the people. They're like, oh, we're going to put together you know, an elite group of soldiers for you. And he's like, yeah, I already have. And then he's picking out these guys that the general probably wouldn't have picked out, but are more appropriately suited for like what he's looking for versus the type of people the general would look for. And yeah. And then Peggy comes in in that red dress looking like a snack. Oh, in the bar. Yeah, the bar. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, she shows up looking like a snack, and uh, then that's the the dance. I'm going to say dancing. The dancing around their like sexual tension is really engaging because they keep having that back and forth of, well, we should dance or we should do this or whatever, and then that fondue. Also. Can can we talk about how Steve Rogers thought that taking someone to fondue was a metaphor or euphemism for, like, sexual encounter? Do you think that's the case, though? He had to ask Howard Stark what fondue was. Fondue was like, not, or Howard Stark was like, nah, man, it's just, it's just bread and cheese. Yeah, fair. I don't know. That's sort of like, that's sort of Steve Rogers' thing. He's just naive, right? You know? Like, and, and granted, usually that's passed off as, oh, he's in like, he's from the '40s and now he exists in modern day. So, haha, he's a funny old man, basically. Right. Um, but he's still naive in the '40s. <laughs> I think it's true. I, yeah, like yeah. he had never like gone on a date or anything like right. that. Yeah, he's just waiting for the right partner. Waiting for the right partner. <laughs> Also, yeah. I don't know, 1940s, the U.S. wasn't very cosmopolitan. <laughs> Maybe they didn't have fondue. That's true. But I mean, if you've seen The Notebook, right? They were having sex in The Notebook. Sure, I'm talking about fondue, though. Right, oh. yeah. <laughs> I think Americans knew what sex was uh, around yeah. World War II. Yeah. <laughs> but hot cheese, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe not. Maybe well, that was more of like a billionaire with a crime-fighting suit, like uh yeah, that I was, was going to say maybe. Because he fancy? Yeah. Maybe it's a billionaire thing. A billionaire thing? Yeah. Okay. I don't know if Howard Stark had a crime fighting suit. No. It sounded. I don't know quite yet. Maybe they do some weird flashpoint shit where, you know, like they did where uh, Bruce Wayne dies and his dad becomes Batman. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe Marvel's What If will be What If Howard Stark was Iron Man. 
instead of Konami. There is a there is a what if where Peggy becomes uh, Captain Britain. Yes, I saw yeah. that in the previews. I'm super excited about that. Yeah, stoked about it. I yeah. don't know what any of that. I don't know what you just said. <laughs> Words washing yeah. over you. We'll get there eventually, like a year from now, once we hit all the Disney Jeez. Plus shit. So um, two two things real yeah. quick. First off, I did look it up because again, Google Machine is great. They're called the Watchers. That's the name of the, the aliens he's talking to, and they are ah. cosmic beings possessed with the innate ability to achieve virtually any effect desired. So yay for comic know. books being weird as hell. Yes. Um, and then secondly. Uh, you are absolutely right, Rochelle. I am going to uh, call you out a little bit for referring to the, the motley crew of um, the Howling Commandos as cliche. Again, I think that is 100% intentional because every classic World War II movie that's ever been made has that group of guys. Like, band, they, they are band of brothers. The Howling Commandos are the band of brothers. You know, you've got it in Saving Private Ryan. Like, it's you, you've yeah. got it in the Pacific. You've got it. Everywhere you talk about World War Two, and especially you talk about World War Two in Hollywood, where you're, you know, it's like, woo, America beat the Nazis. Um, like you've got that motley group of your average dudes who are stuck in this horrible war, and so that was absolutely an intentional inclusion in Captain America to give it more of that World War Two feeling. So I think it's perfect. Yeah. Actually, they are they are my unsung heroes. Spoiler alert: well, the Howling Commandos. Absolutely. But but this, but this group of Howling Commandos get <clears throat> laser guns and comically large tanks, which makes it even even cooler. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think I like these, and it was also like a a very diverse group of people. It was, which was, uh, and and the the nice little uh, hat tip to how shitty and racist Americans were towards uh, Asian folk in during World War II, um, when um, oh the guy who was always was always wearing the hat, yeah, the guy from Fresno, who was in Band of Brothers, um, McDonough, uh, Neil, Neil McDonough, yeah, he is yeah. like quintessentially World War II guy, like. He just oozes World War II era masculinity, so especially when he's got a mustache. <laughs> but yeah, he said like something shitty about the like the Asian guy in that group, mm-hmm. and I forget what he said. It's like I'm from Fresno, or yeah, yeah, that was sounds like that. Jeez, it's problematic. Yeah, um, I also appreciate the kind of like Instacarma or, again, the physical comedy that happens in this movie a lot where Howard Stark is throwing shade at Steve Rogers while he's messing around with a little bit of Tesseract, and then he says something shitty, and then he's immediately blown backwards because it explodes. Oh, yeah, when he's messing yep. with the Tesseract technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I one, one of the interesting things about rewatching these films, because I was a horrible Marvel fan and didn't rewatch anything before Infinity War or Endgame, is they really do a good job at tying like integral pieces of each movie together to lead up to the ensemble piece. And you don't get it like as much because you're watching it in theaters and the movies are happening like, you know, two to three years apart. So you don't remember all the little things that were happening. Like I, by the time Avengers came out, I totally forgot that Howard Stark was such a huge part of Captain America. Like they mentioned it a little bit about like Howard Stark making the shield and things like that, but 
Yeah, Tony's dad had a huge, like... So Captain America is about to meet Iron Man. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be a fucking trip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, like, in the Avengers, like, Tony mentions, like, yeah, my dad never shut up about you, blah, blah, blah. And he, I totally forgot that well, Howard... Well, I haven't seen the Avengers, so right. I don't know. No, I'm just saying that he, uh, Tony mentions it a lot. And I just completely spaced that Howard and Captain America did spend a lot of time together. Wow. He taught him about fondue. Yeah. So that's a experience you'll never forget. Yeah. And also... I won't spoil too much for you, but Mar, it also, I'm already emotional about parts of Civil War because of how much I'm watching Howard and Captain America, like, interact. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so what, what, one of the things that I think is really interesting about, um, about, so, about Captain America and part of the reason why I told you guys Captain America is my favorite MCU movie um, is because those connections that you're talking about, Jay, I, th- like, I think they really start with Captain America. Captain America is the foundation of the MCU. Uh, yeah. Like, and I don't know if it's a hundred percent designed that way or if they just, you know, they made Captain America and then sort of realized that what they had with Chris Evans playing this inherently hokey and ridiculous ultra patriotic character, but playing him well and like in a likable way, um, but but the number of things that are that are in the movie that I can't get into, thanks Rochelle. Damn, um, <laughs> that like that come back that had to be purposeful. Yeah, um, like are, is really impressive. And you don't get that. You don't get that from Iron Man. You certainly don't get it from Iron Man One. You don't get it from Iron Man Two. Yeah. You honestly don't even get it from the first Thor. Like, Do you get it, wait, what about Incredible Hulk? You totally missed that one. No. There's nothing no. meaningful that comes out of The Incredible Hulk, no. the worst movie that I've ever watched the in my life. The Incredible Hulk is, <laughs> like, movie. very softly canon. Uh, it is It is very not – I would not say that it's softly canon. It is explicitly canon. It just doesn't feel that way because they recast the character. But they, were, they refer to events that, that happened in that movie. There are actual That's characters, true. like the general – like, yeah, Thunderbolt he's, Ross like, is in he's, it. Yeah. He's around, like, it's, it's, it is absolutely canon. It's just not the best movie. It's not. It is the best Hulk, though. Yes. What, wait, you gave, you given that to me? Yeah, I totally, I hated Eric Banner Hulk. Oh, no, I'm also, I'm talking about Ruffalo, too. Oh, no, we. <laughs> <very much hated laughs> <that. laughs> well, we can have a Hulk off when. I get there because yeah, I think after Thor Ragnarok we'll have to revisit this. Okay, that's yeah. Fair enough. I do you have something? I think I did, but I forgot. So oh, my bad. But yeah, a lot of a lot of groundwork for oh right the MCU is definitely laid into this movie, and I I haven't seen this movie since I saw it in theaters, so I forgot just how much groundwork that they. Yeah. Put in this like this we talked about this earlier today that like this was probably the first film that Disney had a huge part in the production. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of see that it, the thought of expanding this universe in a very big way was in this movie. Right. I, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that like it's Part of it was definitely – I have to think that, that it was at least a little bit retroactive. 
that like as they were planning out the you know the Avengers Infinity War and Endgame, the 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 choices they made in how to to sort of wrap up that storyline, it definitely focuses more on Captain America. Obviously, Iron Man plays a meaningful role, but Captain right. America is 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 the heart and and soul of those movies in a lot of ways. I think, yeah. um, and and that's. They didn't have to make that choice, you know. So and that's part of the reason why, like, it's like as the MCU goes on, a yeah. lot of the movies in the MCU just don't really matter to me. Like, they're just episodes in a TV show. Right. But for me, it all started with Captain America. Like, that's really what kicks it off. Um, and and it just and they they keep coming back to Captain America and everything about Captain America. Um, and I just I don't know. I love it. Well, yeah. and also like I think they're just because I have such a scattered knowledge of like random tidbits of shit throughout the MCU. I think where they also begin, like I've been able in this movie specifically, I've been able to pick out things that I like vaguely know about in the future of the MCU from other things I've seen. So when the shield, when they're going through all the different shields and he picks the one and he says, Oh, it's made out of vibranium. I was like, I know what that is. That's from Wakanda. And that was like I shouldn't know that, but I know that that's something that like will come up later, and I think that the that also kind of said something about Steve's characters or trying to like build Steve out as this like wholesome good dude that he had all of these different options that were super flashy and he picked like I'd be it the most the coolest in terms of how sturdy and reliable it was the shield, but it was like a very just low key, not flashy, um, yeah. and also Peggy it's going the most full modest. Yeah, Peggy going full shields. rage and just like fucking unloading <laughs> a clip. I don't know. Does it work? And then she just shoots directly at him in the middle of this freaking like research lab. Was one of the best like full rage, just like <laughs> calm. I chose up today and or I woke up today and chose violence moments of my life because. Jealousy, man. Well, because also the whole scene where he is caught or she catches that woman basically sexually assaulting Cap. um, Natalie Dormer? Yes. yes. So (laughs) she, the music leading up to it, I paused it and I was like, this is like some predator level shit. Like (laughs) the tonal shift in her approaching him and stalking him. Like, looking at him, and he's like, oh, God, what's about to happen? And then she, like, slinks over, and it usually might be, like, romantic music or sensual music or whatever, but no, it was, like, some predator shit. Like, it painted the picture that that was not something that he wanted at all. And Yeah. Well, it also very much played to the fact that even though he went through this experimentation and he looks different, he's still that naive kid from Brooklyn who never kissed a girl before. And he was very oh, awkward about it. that was his first it. kiss? Yeah. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> oh, yeah. I hadn't really thought about that. Oh. Yeah. That's sad. Huh. It's funny you mentioned the music, though. Chelsea said exactly the same thing while we were watching. <laughs> like, the, I mean, she said that it, based on the music, it, it's, like, it feels like Natalie Dormer's going to, like, She's an, she's going to be like a secret Hydra assassin and try and kill him or something like that. But right. Like the, yeah. the musical cue is definitely dark 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what's about yeah. to happen? Yeah. You're just yeah. like, is he going to die? Or, nope, she's just going to force herself on him. That's good. <laughs> JK, just cooties. Ugh, gross. <laughs> there, I also really got, like, from Red School, as we, they kind of flashed to him as they go, as they're flashing between, like, these really epic, you know, very, like, classic, I'm going to say classic, not cliche, classic, like, action sequences. Um, <laughs> they flash between the action, and then they flash to Red Skull, kind of back and forth, which was interesting, but Red Skull is giving off, like, Heller Corel DeVille vibes throughout, like, a big chunk of the back half of this movie because, like, his car looks like a Cruella de Vil car. He's got the leather with the collar. Um, I also think Hydra, I said this today, like, gives the most ridiculous BDSM vibes. Like, when there's a, the opening shot of, of Red Skull in his full Hydra uniform with all of his Hydra operatives and they're in their, like, leather face masks and, like, all of this shit. It was, like, very... The message was, like, very aggressive. Well, not that I want to dig too much into BDSM in this <laughs> podcast, <laughs> but... <laughs> Jay. <laughs> the whole, like... I don't know. Isn't the whole thing behind that, like, the subservient and the master sort of, like, chemistry... Yeah. So, like, he's got all of these drones that serve him, hence the, like, I think BDSM is more derived from what we watch than what we watch being derived from BDSM, if that makes sense. Okay. I think I follow. Like, the, yes, what we watched wasn't yep. sexual, but yep. that chemistry that dynamic. Been, that dynamic, yes, had okay. been sexualized, hence creating BDSM. Okay. On a, on a less thoughtful uh, observation note than, than what Jay just offered, um, I think it was also important to note that in the Red Skull Cruella comparison you just made, I think the primary parallel are the insane cheekbones. I yes. think that's like <laughs> strong Cruella de Vil vibes because – Oh it's yeah, a skull. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do remember the animated Hundred and One Dalmatians. Yeah, 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 yeah. The cheekbones. Right. Not the. He doesn't have any hair, but. Well, when did uh Hundred and One Dalmatians take place? Like, oh, maybe it was roughly around the same time. Forties, fifties. I'm not sure. I I don't know. Because yeah, that would make sense as to why the cars looked similar. Yeah. Yeah. Could be the same time period. That would make a lot of sense. Um, I also just want to talk about all of the really cool flamethrowers. Oh, 1958? There you go. Uh, so, like, yeah. 10, 15 years. Yeah. Um, there are so many cool weapons in this movie. Oh, you just wait. Oh, my God. The flamethrowers? <laughs> the the flamethrower the, the flamethrower motorcycle? The yes. dual flamethrowers. The dual flamethrowers remind like, me of Iron Man. That like jump off of each other. Oh. The Iron Man looking dude with the dual flamethrowers yeah. that Peggy murks. Yes. I yeah. also love that Peggy consistently murders or not murders. She can well <laughs> yeah. Peggy consistently takes out people who are trying to harm Captain America. Yeah. Like, I think this is the third or fourth time it happened. 
where she happens, she's there and she like kills somebody who's trying to kill Captain America. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool that like in a world full of men, Peggy is there with a freaking mob style machine gun murking well, people. I'm assuming that also happens on the show. I've never watched it, but what? There's a show. Yeah, there's a show called Agent Carter. Carter. Oh yeah, and no, I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah, she's got a whole mm-hmm. show. Oh, well, that's cool. That it had like what four or five seasons? I don't I don't remember how many seasons it went yeah. for. I didn't watch. I think maybe. I watched maybe a little bit, but. Yeah, I may have cut an episode of that in Agents of Shield, but yeah, she gets yeah. her own like spin-off that run for a few seasons. Oh, yeah. And and Rochelle, so are you are you watch did you watch are you watching? I don't know. Falcon and the Winter Soldier with Jay. I watched no, no, I I watched like half of a I watched half of an episode. And I think I watched half of like the first episode before I was like, nah, like I, right. I think I know too much, but not enough. So I'm just well, going to not. There are a couple things in Falcon and Winter Soldier. So I actually made an audible noise when um, Cap gets back and it's like, I surrender myself for disciplinary action. And the colonel's like, that won't be necessary. I was like, oh, she was like, what? I'm like, ah, I can't spoil it for you. <laughs> but it comes back. Uh just once again about Disney being so retroactive and the fact that, what, 10 years later, they show the other side of someone who went through a similar thing to Captain America, mm-hmm. and it didn't go the same way because of Voyager. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I think I know kind of, like, briefly what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm sure you've walked in on scenes where they're, like, talking about it. But yeah. Yeah, that scene, watching it after watching uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier... There were certain things that happened where I was like, oh, like it's got a darker tinge to it. It's tainted, I should mm-hmm. say. That's Which true. Yeah. They, address la- they address later because just like the real world, when Captain America went out, it w- came out. It was before a lot of like issues came to light. Yeah. And now that issues have come to light in the real world and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you see some things. And now that you know that there's a a parallel to something else that happened, it doesn't feel as pure as wholesome. it did the first time. Yeah, it's not as yeah. pure and wholesome like as the first time watching it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think I also so your point about the the weapons. Um, I also took some note uh, took note of that. I think that um, in particular for me though, it's the I describe it. I described it as sort of like a. Almost like a steampunk, cyberpunk kind of vibes riffing yeah. Yeah. off of like what have to be actual illustrations from like military concepts and, uh, you know, of the era science fiction illustrations. Um, like it, like, like a lot of the stuff that you see in Captain America looks like what people from the 1940s thought the future was going to be like. Like, yeah, like it really like, yeah, like really it like immerses you in it. Like even the like, um, the what the hell do you even call that thing? Like the the rocket powered helicopter pod that yeah. yeah that Schmidt gets into. Like, I swear to God, I have actually I've seen a drawing of that somewhere, either on like, uh, 1940s, 1950s, you know, DOD. Uh, project that's been declassified because there's all kinds of crazy shit like that, like stuff that they wanted to do back in the day that they thought, like you know, rocket power was going to give them. Um, either is either that or some science fiction thing. I guess it's it's, it's 
they were clearly in the in in the like set design and the, like the visual design of the movie. They were they were thinking about the like not the actual future, not like what technology would look like in the future, and not right. what we think today technology is going to look like in the future, but what people from the forties thought the future was going to look like. It's just that's a neat touch. Yeah. yeah. No, that's super cool. It'd be. Mm, I'm not gonna say it. Um, it would <laughs> It'd be interesting. <laughs> Looking into more details about how they came up with set design um, maybe would lead to some of those answers about the inspiration they received from these weapons, which would be cool to know. Um, because I also, I called them uh, dual laser super soakers. Because <laughs> there was that guy, and they looked like super soakers, but they shot lasers out of them. I thought that was that, and the flamethrowers were like great. Yeah, um, stupid observation, Rochelle. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm here. Yeah. Um, just dumping it down to <laughs> the level that I understand. Thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in to Captain America Part Two part one of two with our guest mart please make sure to like and subscribe if you are able to hop onto itunes and leave us a review that would be wonderful and also if you could give us any stars um i would prefer five j is fine with whatever uh that helps the algorithm help other people find us thanks so much for tuning in make sure you Follow us on Instagram at Marvelous Podcast, M-A-R-V-E-L-L-E-S-S Podcast. We also have an email address, which is marvelouspodcast at gmail.com if you have anything you would like to um, have us address and noted. We will have the second part of Mart's, um, Mart's episode out in a couple of days. Thanks for everybody's patience. We've been swamped with work and life the last couple of weeks. Thanks so much and have a great day.